aliens and welcome to Area 51 and a Half, where we talk about science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture. I'm your host, John Allen, also known as Spooky Uncle John. With me is my co-host and producer. Nick Snyder, Snyderman501. Nick, how can our aliens get a hold of us? They can find us on Twitter and TikTok at the Area 51H. You can also find us on Twitter at the Area 51H, as well as on Facebook by searching for Area 51 and a Half. All month long, we are dedicating the podcast to Halloween hijinks. On today's show, we're going to be sharing our thoughts on Halloween ends. But first, it's time for Nick's Roundup. First up, John, Sidney Sweeney will be starring in the remake of the classic sci-fi film, Barbarella. I'm excited for that. I love the original Barbarella, so this should be good. Liam Neeson is going to be starring in a reboot, and I can't believe I'm saying this, of Naked Gun. Oh, no, really? Yeah. <laughs> Blink-182 has reunited with Tom DeLonge, and that's exciting because all of, all of the... Well, all the elder millennials now will have to take uh, Rob A535 with them to the mosh pit. <laughs> there has been an interesting development with the Mario movie and the fans of Mario. So do you remember when the Sonic movie came out, there was a big uproar about how Sonic originally looked? Yeah. So th- the internet has a problem with how Mario's... Italian plumber derriere looks in this movie is surprisingly (laughs) it is surprisingly flat as where in the video game baby got back so there is a whole internet I don't want to say campaign but there's a hashtag going around where they're trying to convince Illumination Studio to to fill out Mario's buttocks. Who knew that we would be worrying about Mario's badonkadonk? What a time to be alive. Give us that Mario bubble butt. And, of course, a, week, a show can't go by without us mentioning some kind of Marvel news, and that is Marvel has pushed back release dates for Blade, Fantastic Four, Avengers Secret Wars, and most sadly... Deadpool 3. Do we have any idea why? Nah, there's a lot of problems going on with Blade backstage. The the, the director quit, and allegedly Mahershala Ali is unhappy with the way that the production's going. So I think this might have something to do with it, but I'm not entirely sure. It's all speculation at this point. Now, John, um, as, it is coming, as it is the Halloween season, uh, definitely I've been eating up horror movies as more than normal, mind you. And I checked out this fun little film on Disney Plus called Grim Cuddy. Now, Grim Cuddy, and this is how I've kind of described it. Well, this is what I've said about it. It was a better Slenderman movie than the Slenderman movie was. (laughs) Anyway, it's about an internet meme that essentially kills people. And it was really... As a horror movie, not overly scary, but for the commentary it has, it was actually very well done. Definitely, I think our viewers should check it out. The monster is a little bit goofy looking. Actually, the monster kind of looks like a cartoony version of Ryuk from from Death Note, but it's still still a cool movie. I really enjoyed it. You know, and I'll have to check that out. I'll have to definitely give that a try. But I also want to add... A huge congratulations to our friend David Howard Thornton, who plays Art the Clown. Yeah. Terrifier 2 is doing gangbusters in the States. 
It's not uh, playing outside of there in theaters, but the press that it is getting for how disturbing it is for some viewers, because you're getting reports of people passing out, you're getting reports of people losing their popcorn. Uh, it, it sounds terrifying <laughs> to be to begin with. I'm excited to see this. Whenever I see this type of news coming out about a movie, and when it's multiple accounts, well, I'm a little, I'm a little skeptic about it, skeptical about it. But at the same time, it makes me really excited to see it. And I love the first Terrifor Terrifier. I love David Howard Thornton as Art the Clown. He is the he's becoming as iconic. As the 80s slasher villains, as Jason, as Freddy, all that, right? You know, I would say at this point, he Art, he and Art the Clown have earned their spot now in the horror lexicon. I agree with that. Kind of the way that, that uh, Quinn Lord and Sam have from Trick or Treat. Absolutely, yes. I'm excited to see it. I'm. It's going to be a gory affair, and I know I'm going to love it. I'm a little skeptical to see it, because I, I do have a... There is an actual medical term for it. Uh, I'm afraid I will pass out. That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> I'm not afraid that I'll throw up because nothing has made me do that. But I'm afraid that I might pass out if other people are passing out. Only one movie has made me feel a little bit woozy. A little bit dizzy from the amount of blood in it. That was Samurai Princess. It's a Japanese flick. In the first five minutes, she turns a bunch of guys into a, a man fountain. Just like blood and bodies on top of it. It's, it's disgusting. <laughs> but that was really the only thing that's made me go, ugh. But I'm, I want to see Terrifier 2 to make it... To see if it makes me feel like that. Yeah. Anyway, David, your performance as Art the Clown is top notch. We can't wait to see it. Uh, when Terrifier 2 is available to us here in Canada through whatever means we can get it. Uh, but congratulations on the success of it. Ooh. And one thing I want to mention, seeing as we're on horror icons right now, Cassandra Peterson will be making an appearance on the Halloween special of The Last Drive-In. With Joe Bob Briggs, and I'm excited for that. Yeah, I, I love Cassandra Peterson. I love Elvira, as you know. Now, segue is never easy into this. We have a lot of celebrities that have sadly passed away, and these people are iconic. Yep. Louise Fletcher passed away in September. We missed that somehow, so we're bringing you that news now. Louise Fletcher played Nurse Ratched in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, one of the all-time great movie villains, and she won an Oscar for it. She was also in Flowers in the Attic, and Star Trek Deep Space Nine uh, fans will remember her from her roles there. I love her as Kai Wynn in... No, I mean, let me rephrase that. I love to hate her as Kai Wynn in DS9. She was such... A magnet, just a a witch. She was so evil and so awful, but she did it so well. Yeah, and that's the same sort of reaction you get from Nurse Ratchet. You yeah. love to hate her. And you know what? I'll also say this: she elevated basically, and she was in. She was in Exorcist too, which, for all all accounts, was a piece of crap. But at least the scenes she was in were good. Now, speaking of the Oscars, activist Sasheen Littlefeather has also passed away. Now, if you don't know who Sasheen Littlefeather is, back in the 1970s, Marlon Brando won an Oscar. 
and he sent Sashin Littlefeather to go up there and refuse it for him because he was concerned about the treatment of Native Americans in movies. Yeah. And it became one of the most historic and iconic sort of Oscar moments. So she has passed away. Also, Loretta Lynn, country queen uh, and Crisco connoisseur, has passed away, um, very sadly. Now, for some of our horror fans, uh, she handpicked Sissy Spacek after watching the movie Carrie to play her in her biopic, Coal Miner's Daughter. I find that really interesting. I have I saw Coal Miner's Daughter, but I was a teenager when I saw it. It's been a while, but I can't. I, I do remember little bits about it, and I don't know what made her her look at Carrie and go, you know what? I want that to be me. I do. Okay, I do. She liked the the sweetness that uh, Sissy Spacek brought to the role of Carrie. She liked the innocence. She liked the the pathos. She liked the the arc. She liked everything that she did in that movie. And I think that there is a similar look to the two. And I can understand why she would sit there and go, yes, that's the actress I want to play me. That's fair. That's fair. Robbie Coltrane. Oh. Hagrid. Cracker. Cracker. Has passed away. So we, we sort of need to, to... He was so perfect as Hagrid in yes. the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Uh, Hag- I, okay, so I grew up watching Cracker um, on television with my parents. And seeing him as Hagrid was—it just made me so happy. And you know, I'd, I'd seen him in other things like Nuns on the Run and whatnot, right? Um, and there was always that joke: is everybody in Glasgow had uh, arm wrestled Robbie Coltrane. Uh, it's, <laughs> it seems to go back to the one that everybody in Scotland beat up Sean Connery. Exactly, exactly. Uh, That—that's a sad one for me. I, I've always looked up to Robbie Coltrane and. That sucks. And and as if losing Hagrid isn't a loss of magic enough, the iconic and legendary Angela Lansbury Aww. passed away from bed knobs and broomsticks, the voice of Mrs. Potts and Beauty and the Beast, Manchurian Candidate, Murder She Wrote is where most people know her from, even though she had a wide and fantastic film career, has also passed away. And the magic this week is just gone. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, you know, I actually found out something I didn't know about Angela Lansbury this week. So the movie Gaslighting, where the, the term... Gaslight. Gaslight comes from. Gaslighting yeah. comes from. Um, that was actually her first movie, apparently. Yeah, she was... Uh, she was a, mid. Yeah, she yeah. was just a young... Uh, 19. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very young at the, the time. Obviously made a, a good impression. And the funny thing is about... Her role in the Manchurian Candidate is she played the mother, even though she was younger than the stars of the of the movie. Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, that uh, is absolutely just hilarious. a fantastic actress. And you know, I think these hit us hard because when you look at somebody like Angela Lansbury, you look at the loss of Betty White, you look at the loss of even um, of Queen Elizabeth II. We're losing the world's grandmothers, you know, yeah. and it's it's sad for us. To have these losses all well, in one year. It's not just that. It's, it's These are literally iconic people and actors. And they've been there for most of our lives. I mean, in the case of Betty White and Angela Lansbury, they've been there our entire yeah. lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like, I remember being a kid watching Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. 
It's. I remember being a kid, obviously watching Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Yeah, and the great thing about Murder She Wrote too is that she gave older actors work. Now, what this did, besides giving them a paycheck, is it also allowed them to keep their SAG uh, union cards up. It allowed oh, yeah. them to keep their insurance up. It allowed them to keep pensions and those sort of things buying into them up because they were working. Huh. So it was marvelous to see her do that. And then from that, because Murder, She Wrote was so successful, we got um, not really a, a, a spinoff. It kind of wound up in the in the, the universe of Matlock. Uh-huh. But you got Diagnosis Murder with Dick oh, Van yeah, Dyke. Yeah, 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 you got yeah. Matlock with, with Andy Griffith, you know. And so it was kind of nice there in the, in the 90s to see these older actors doing these wonderful TV shows that actually got other older actors' work. Honestly, whenever I hear Matlock, the only thing I can, I can think of is Abe Simpson going, Matlock! Which is actually probably a joke they no longer do on that show. Uh, no, they probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> and of course he does that, he does that appearance. When it's, and the, the whole senior citizen crowd starts singing, We love you, Matlock! Oh, yes, we do! <laughs> and speaking of The Simpsons, of course, uh, it is the Halloween season. Yes, so it is. All the Treehouse of Terrors you can find on Disney+. Plus. This is not a plug for Disney+, Plus, but it is so much fun to go back and watch the original ones. Uh, you know, where they were, were spoofing everything, where the society was a little bit more um, cautious about The Simpsons. It's hard to believe that they were controversial. I know, right? And I remember it, being a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch it. Yeah, I, well, I mean, Marge comes out for the very first Treehouse of Terror, and she gives the audience a warning. It's like, mm, you might not like this, I don't know. You know, it's up to you if you let your kids watch it. <laughs> your Marge impression is actually fairly good. <laughs> I do a better. I do a better Patty and Selma. I know you do. Oh my god! And a better Krusty the Clown. Actually, you know what? Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. It's kind of funny, but oh, I, no. I, I want to do this. Um, so if you have kids and you don't want them to hear something that's a little bit sexual, I'm I'm just telling you that right now. This is a little bit sexual. We try and keep it. Um, we try and keep it clean. We try and keep it family friendly, but this is my imitation of Krusty the Clown having an orgasm. <clears throat> okay, you ready for this? Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh yeah. Yeah, get down with the clown. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh my god! Was it a nice hat? <laughs> uh so that just happened. <laughs> So, um, just as John said, uh, Disney Plus, this is not a plug for Disney Plus. They're not paying us. And after that, I'm pretty sure they're not going to. Ain't nobody paying us. (laughs) And another horror film, John, now that we're coming off of that horror show. Uh, That little treehouse of terror. (laughs) We watched the the, the remake of Hellraiser. Which I actually enjoyed. I thought it was actually really well. It was good. It wasn't. It wasn't a cl- instant classic, but it was really good. As our friend Tim likes to say, it was serviceable. It was okay. Okay, so I not to talk about another movie, even though we're talking about this movie. But I had a little bit of a palate cleanser after watching it. I watched one of the sequels. And after watching one of the sequels, and this is the problem with the Hellraiser sequels, is that they go, they plummet as far as quality goes. And after watching, and it was one of the ones without Doug Bradley as Pinhead, 
And after watching it, I'm like, yeah, this this new Hellraiser movie is a bloody masterpiece. Yeah, in comparison, right? But it, it I like the design, the kind of redesigns of the Cenobites. The story was decent. They did a lot of really great stuff with the design. I loved the mansion with all the squares and stuff in it. It was really good. Yeah, I'm sorry I don't have the actress's name, but I like the fact that they made Pinhead more feminine and androgynous in this because that's the way that Clive Barker describes Pinhead in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And Clive Bar I love Clive Barker's stories. I, I love the movies well I like most of the movies based off of his stories. Rawhead Rex, I'm coming for you. But as far as it goes, I thought it was a really good sequel. I thought or a pre-make and I'm looking forward to any sequels that come off of that because they should be better than any of the other sequels that they've pulled. Well, what's interesting and what seems to be happening in Hollywood is it seems like they are just trying to make this push to streaming instead of theaters because it's probably cheaper for them to make and they know that people have become quite satisfied with sitting home and watching movies but I think that that's a real disservice. I think there is something about the big screen getting back to Terrifier 2 that it's going to become more visceral for you when you see something like that as big as it is. Yeah. And speaking of staying at home and watching films, it's now time to talk about our main topic, Halloween Ends. John? Yes, I think Werewolf by Night was fantastic. No, John, we're, we're talking about Halloween Ends. Oh, Michael Myers. Yeah. Right. Now, you know, he did a fantastic job in Austin Powers. I loved everything he did with that, playing multiple characters of Dr. Evil. And uh, why are you looking at me like that? Because you're an idiot. No, I'm not. Okay. So... We, we said you wanted to talk about Michael Myers. I'm I talking about talk Michael about, Myers. We're talking about Halloween Ends, not Mike Myers, Michael Myers. Oh, right. The way they talked about Corey the entire time. So, as you can tell, aliens, John didn't really like Halloween ends. Frankly, neither did I, but ah, man. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit about it first. I'm going to talk about the experience of watching it with John first. I have never actually seen John get angry over a film. And I mean, legitimately angry feeling disrespected. And this is the first time I've seen that. And honestly, I don't blame him. He is more of a Halloween fan than I am. And I really did not like this film. And before we go any further, I'm just going to drop the spoiler alert right now. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right, now we're back from that. Now, the thing is, Nick, we understand why some people love this movie. Yes. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Please carry on okay my problem with the film i'm not going to sit here and talk about the disrespect of certain characters i'm not going to sit here and talk about the journey and how this is kind of a, a kind of a bad end for the journey i'll leave that for you but i'm going to talk about this movie from a structural standpoint now from a cinematography standpoint it looks good it looks like a good movie i like the 
I like the fact that they brought it round circle with the opening titles looking like Season of the Witch. Yeah. Did they make a bad movie? No, they didn't make a bad movie. Everything is technically proficient. The acting is solid. There's beautiful cinematography. There's nice camera shots. But did they make a bad Halloween movie? Yes. And that's kind of the thing. The All of the um, reaction I've seen from this and the, the for the people who are talking about this movie positively and let, let's be very clear here if you like this movie all the power to you have fun with it i didn't like it. i'm not saying that you shouldn't like it john's not saying that you shouldn't like it wait are you saying that no i'm not saying you shouldn't like it i mean i it is not <laughs> up to me to decide whether a person likes a movie or doesn't like a movie that's individual but the fact that this entire movie centered on a new character, this new character that comes along and doesn't just sideline Michael Myers, he sidelines Laurie and Allie as well. Two established strong female heroes to follow the story of this guy who honestly just ultimately bites it by the end of the movie. What was the point of that? And again, what I'm going to say about this is, yes, people are saying that it is it's different they did something different with it but the thing is is if you want to do something different make an original film see that's why i liked x so much because x was something different that wasn't trying to force a narrative into an established franchise yeah and like the thing is is they've the uh, in the slasher genre retcons happen they force different narratives into these one of the big ones that come to my mind is uh in freddy versus jason jason's weakness of water okay we've never seen that before but there it is but this was something entirely new I, it, to me it felt like david gordon green wanted to just make his own film and damn everything about the other two films he made and this is what we got i i just and it's it's kind of infuriating for me. It's frustrating for me because, honestly, the first part of the movie where they have that romance between Corey and Allie, I found that exceptionally charming. I thought they had great chemistry together, but it felt like it belonged in a very different film. And I want to be clear on something. Rowan Campbell played Corey excellently. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with him. I don't want people that don't like this movie to blame Rowan Campbell for Corey. Yeah. I mean, there were some standout performances in it. I mean, I really enjoyed... All of the performances were great. I have no trunk with that. Well, yeah. I mean, Rowan Campbell was great. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was, as always, is fantastic, even though she, she was sidelined. And one other major standout performance was Joey Harris's hair. Joey Harris played Margot. Uh, the one with the really yes, big yes. hair. I love that. But... It was, it was very jarring to watch. The entire experience took me out of the film. It made me feel, I don't know, it just, it kind of made me feel stupid. Well, the thing of it is, they had set up some really great themes and some really great, I, look, let me preface it this way. We get the narrative. We get what they're talking about. We get that it's a story about trauma, generational trauma, mob trauma, how it affects everybody. We get all that. We get the narrative. Mm -hmm. And it worked for the last two movies, even though Kills had a bunch of corny lines. Oh. Even, even though the, the, the 
idea, but the idea of it worked. Yes. Okay. The idea of this didn't work for me because there was a lot of problems with that narrative, which I can't just talk about right now. That's, and that's fair. Um, I, I had, I don't understand why there had to be the four year wait between. Why not just have it? Well, that, that had something to do with the actual pandemic. Okay. And I, I understand that. But there was nothing stopping them, stopping them from just setting it a year later or even the same night. They could have just well, filmed it that if way. If they were keeping it realistic, which I think they were trying to do, then yes, there would have been because the pandemic happened in 2019. So this yeah. was this was Halloween 2018. Yeah. Kills was supposed to be the same night. Yes. So Corey starts his saga in 2019, just prior to the pandemic. Just before, just before the pandemic started right. in 2020. Yeah, but it's, it's yeah. yeah, so it's just prior to, to the pandemic, prior to lockdowns and all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? So I get why there is that four-year spance. Yeah. And it is interesting that they did that because without even bringing the pandemic up, there was nods to it. Like the, when, when uh, Lori's in the grocery store and she says that she's still getting used to being around people. Yeah, with Hawkins and everything. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of it. You know, like they, they've had this, they're trying to settle into this normalcy. Nobody's seen Michael for four years. Maybe it's over with. Maybe it's gone. Who knows? I don't know if they mentioned it or not. I get, You seem to think they did. I can't seem to recall. They tore down the Myers house. They, yes. You know. Yeah. They mentioned that in the beginning of the movie. So, yeah, it's, um, I get it. I, I understand it. I get it. But I didn't like it and i guess i guess i have to start talking about it yeah you do and that's why we're here but before i do i want to put this out okay before i give my thoughts on halloween ends i'm the same age as kyle richards who plays lindsey wallace right so i was nine years old when the first Halloween came out. Yeah. Obviously, I couldn't see it. Obviously. But in a short amount of time thereafter, probably around the time that uh, Halloween 2 was hitting television, I was a teenager. Right. And I saw it. So within a span of about four or five years, I get on the Halloween bandwagon. Right. I am going to start this by thanking John Carpenter. He is my favorite horror director. He has given me so many great movies, including Halloween. I thank Jamie Lee Curtis because she is my pent-ultimate horror queen. Laurie Strode is my favorite final girl. For me... It's like being the third kid being babysat and being protected by this beautiful girl next door, Laurie Strode. Yeah, you're, you're going along for the ride. Yes, I was along for that ride. I loved every iteration of Laurie Strode except one, and that's Resurrection. Yeah. Because I get that Jamie Lee Curtis had done her first farewell... In Halloween H20. And that was a nice ending. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the fact that they killed Laurie Strode 
off in resurrection. Again, that was Jamie Lee Curtis's decision because yeah. she didn't want to continue with the Halloween series, as I recall it. So then we get this new trilogy, and it's an opportunity for all of these people to maybe set the story right. But they didn't write it. Jamie Lee Curtis, in my opinion, is just a badass actress. Yeah. She has taken me, she's protected me as a child in Halloween. She has shown me how to survive in Halloween too. She drove me through the fog. She took me to prom night. She made me laugh in A Fish Called Wanda. She gave me that hilarious, uh, with one of my other favorite comedic actors, Tim Allen, that wonderful movie to watch that just makes me laugh every Christmas with Christmas with the Cranks. There isn't a movie that Jamie Lee Curtis hasn't done that I haven't liked. She is one of my favorite actresses. Mm -hmm. She had a hand in choreographing her final fight with Michael in Halloween Ends. Yep. So, I will always love Jamie Lee Curtis, and I thank her for this wonderful ride. I do. And if I don't like it, and she wants to because she admits that she's got a foul mouth, she admits that she will not take guff, she can flip me the double bird for not liking this movie, and I still respect her for that, and I love her for that. That's part of why I love her. She's, she's just everything, from, even from hawking yogurt that makes you poop better. I just have loved everything about Jamie Lee Curtis. I got to keep regular. You do. Well, you're playing games. I mean, exactly. she, she did commercials about encouraging people to play board games and being with your family. She is part of Hollywood royalty with her mother, Janet Lee, in Psycho. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's horror royalty. Yeah. You know, she... Her father, Tony Curtis, with Jack Lemmon in Some Like It Hot. This is a great acting family that yep. Hollywood is better for. So, before I get into why Halloween Ends didn't work for me, let's talk a little bit about how confusing the timelines are and how confusing it all gets because you now have one timeline, Halloween, Halloween 2. Right. John Carpenter wanted to do the anthology. That's how we got Halloween 3 season of The Witch. Yep. He killed Michael. Yes, he did. He killed Dr. Loomis. There is no doubt at the end of Halloween 2 that Michael is dead because that mask is burning up. Mm-hmm. It is, he is dead. He dead dead. He ain't a little dead. He, he all, all the, the way, way dead. dead. And so we get Season of the Witch. Yes. Which people were not really prepared for at the time. And that's fair. And yeah, anyway, we're so not going to talk about that. So then we get a different timeline. Jamie Lee Curtis is out. She's done her thing. John Carpenter's not involved. She doesn't want to come back. Everything's fine. She's out. But Mustafa Akkad wants to make money. Yes, he does. He cannot make money 
without Michael Myers. No, he cannot. So at least he put burn marks on Michael, and at least he put burn marks on Dr. Loomis. Yeah. Somehow they survived the fire, and now we get our second timeline with Jamie Lloyd. This is where a lot of people come into the Halloween series, and so they love Danielle Harris. They think she got ripped off from not being in these uh, trilogies, the new trilogies, but... It wouldn't have worked because Jamie dead. Yeah, <laughs> she 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 gets killed in uh, in um, uh, the Curse of Michael Myers, Halloween Six. So and and that was kind of my introduction to Halloween. I remember the video store um, in the small town I lived in when we first came to Canada had a very extensive um, horror section, but it was missing certain movies like. Halloween, Halloween 2, Jaws 2, uh, uh, the original uh, Chainsaw Massacre, all that stuff. Like, it was missing integral parts of each series. And you know, the funny thing is, as we go through this timeline, Jamie Lee Curtis and John Carpenter have been trying to tell us, as we continue to shell out money for these movies, that Michael is dead. Yes. Because we get H20. 20 yes. years later. Why people think this is such a bad movie, I don't know, because it's not. Did it age well? No, because it is very much that 90s style. Yeah, it has that very scream, I still know what you did yeah. last summer style. But that was the style of the time. It is a good movie, folks. It really, truly is. It has a nice pace to it. It's logical. It's got good acting in it. You get that wonderful scene between Jamie Lee Curtis and her mother yeah, Janet Lee yeah. who are both sort of putting to rest not only Psycho but also Halloween because that's almost what gave birth to the Halloween series. You know, there's only there's actually only two things that I don't like about H2O. And those two things are one the mask is pitiful. It yeah, looks yeah. I don't understand uh, they, what they, happened they, with that. And two, it gave birth to Halloween Resurrection. Yeah, um, but it shouldn't. <laughs> but it shouldn't have. It should not no. have. That fight was longer, and quite frankly, a little bit better than the one in Halloween Ends. But it's done. Yeah. J- Jamie Lee Curtis says we're done. I did it. Oh, you're going to continue? Well, look, I can't continue doing this as Laurie Strode. I-, I want out. Yeah. So that. Creates a different timeline. So now we've got, I think there's about six or seven timelines that you can follow now, and it gets a little maddening. So I'm just going to skip over Resurrection because, well, because. Well, I mean, because it's just another, it's just another timeline. Yeah, it's just another so, timeline. So now that brings us up to 2018, which you and I both loved. Uh, our opinion do not come for us. We think it's superior to Kills. Yeah. I loved everything they did with it. I we we gave a review of that uh, when we were talking about Halloween Kills. All the the, the beautiful stuff setting up Sartain as that red herring. The you know the the generational trauma. The fact that Laurie thought that this man was coming for her, even though he wasn't. And you can see that in the original Halloween. Yeah. Had she stayed in the Doyle house, she never would have met him. Yeah, never would have. So. That's logical. What they did was logical. Yeah, we had problems with a lot of the script and a lot of the characters in Halloween Kills feeling forced into it. 
And that's kind of the thing with Halloween Ends as well, is I was not overly happy with the dialogue in it. Again, the performances were great, but good performances can only take bad dialogue and do so much with it. Uh, I, I just had so much... Like, one of the the, the things that really got to me was um, somebody had called into the the Haddonfield radio station in Halloween Ends and started quoting Frederick Nietzsche. I'm like, who does that? <laughs> Smart people. I um, guess. But the, the thing of it is, did they make a bad movie? No, it's very artistic. You know, it starts off with a very different introduction because they're introducing a movie within a movie. Yeah. They're introducing this whole Corey plot line, and then we get the Halloween introduction, which I loved. I, I think thought it was a brilliant introduction. I love everything they do with the pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they made a good movie, but they didn't tell a satisfying story, in my opinion. And I agree with that. You, We started with that story. I mean, I've... I watched Halloween, the first Halloween, when I was a teenager. I think I was 12 when I first saw it. And I, we've been on this journey. You've been on the journey longer. And I feel like you're on this journey with this character. And then some other character go, comes along and goes, I'm the, ma- I'm the main character now. Well, the, the idea is, as I said, we get it. We understand it. The idea is that evil recognizes evil. We understand that when one evil disappears, a new evil takes its place. We get all that. We get, I get the narrative. No matter what you throw at me, don't come for me. I understand it. I am an actor. I am a playwright. I am a director. I understand you do not need to lecture me if you loved it. I didn't miss a thing. We both have enough experience to know that we know how to tell a story. And this wasn't it. Where people are having a problem is, is it a good story? Sure. Is it a good Halloween story? No, because I did not pay money to see Corey. Yeah. I paid money to see the last 20 minutes of the film of Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode fighting James Jude Courtney as Michael Myers. It'd be like if I sat down to watch the main event of WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, and it was Hulk Hogan, then Doink the Clown comes in. Also, let's let's be real. Let's be real with the writing here. So, Laurie meets Corey. Laurie recognizes the trauma that Corey has gone through because she's going through it. Because people are blaming her for Michael Myers, even though it wasn't her fault. Which, quite frankly, I find completely unrealistic. Because everybody would know from 1978, she's the victim. Yeah. No one would be blaming her. That's that's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. Um, but, she, but that's not the story they're telling. So, she recognizes that. And she befriends Corey. And she takes Corey to meet Allison. And Allison just magically, immediately, it's love at first sight. And I can't, and oh my goodness, and this boy and that boy, oh my gosh. And then let's run off together in the space of what? A couple of days? I mean, infatuation is real. And I, I get it. 
She feels like an outsider. But she's not a teenager. Neither of these kids are teenagers anymore. Still in their early 20s. I know, but I mean... It's, Listen, I, 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 that's that's not my gripe with this movie. It's my, part of my gripe with it, though, because it's just not, to me, that realistic of a thing. You know, like, after everything that Allison has been through, she's not going to heed her grandmother's warnings? Really? I, I mean, mean, I know she wants out of Haddonfield. I get it. And who wouldn't? No, my, like... The, well, that brings she, me to the point. The same point we made in Halloween Kills. Why are these people still in Haddonfield? Reasons, John. Mostly reasons. I just just back to the whole thing with Allie for a second before we continue with that. She's in her early twenties. I I I know. I remember. We yeah. We were both in our twenties. We both. Everybody in their twenties thinks that they're invincible, and this is it. We they think that they know better than those that came before them. And Allie had dealt with Michael in her own way. So yeah, I get that she didn't want to heed her grandmother's warnings because of all that, but at the same time, eh. Okay, but if your parent or grandparent introduces you to somebody and they say, I think this guy's great, and you go, okay, great, he's great. And then you go, wait a minute, I think we've made a mistake here. (laughs) Why aren't you listening? Especially after all the trauma you've been through. Now, now again, maybe I'm nitpicking. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I haven't really heard anybody explain to me why they love this movie other than it's different. Yeah, and that that's the thing. Is it different, though? It's not really that different. Nick, explain. Well, this is the thing, right? Like, one of the, um, one of the elements in this film that I see that is exactly the same as other stories is the whole idea of Corey's having a bad day and he goes psycho. That is the entire crux of stories like um, uh, The Killing Joke, where the Joker goes out of his way to prove that if Commissioner Gordon has a bad day, he'll go psycho and start killing everybody. And and even, even use elements of that, <clears throat> of that in The Dark Knight. And everybody's thought process on that is incredibly different. There's different storytellers that have done it different ways. And the outcome is always dependent on that storyteller. And that's the problem I have with this. It's just the same thing as all those other stories. It's the same thing as those Batman stories. I don't particularly see this as different. And you have all the other... like You have the archetype of, of um, Corey being this misunderstood... I don't want to say a bad boy, but he's got the bike and he's got the black hair and eventually he loses his glasses because he doesn't need them anymore. Because it's but supernatural, but it's not supernatural, but it is supernatural, but it's not. He's Superman on a bike with trauma, massive trauma. No, I mean, it gets back to the whole idea that it's like, oh, well, Michael stared into his eyes. Evil recognizes evil. Oh, no, no, no. That that evil was passed between him and he now has Michael's eyes. And it's OK, make up your minds. Is this supernatural or is it not? Supernatural? And that's that's exactly it. Is this a supernatural thing? Is the idea of being evil a legitimate thing? Or do we want to go with the idea that this is realistic and Michael Myers is a nutbag? So, let's talk about realism for a minute. I, uh, Michael Myers would have to be 
supernatural in order to take over Pennywise's lease. Like, <laughs> like what the hell? You can't sit there and live in a sewer for four years, basically, I would assume, feeding on rats. Because he didn't really come out. The First of all, take a bath. Like, you know how... Like, oh my God, I don't even want to get into that because now I'm just being trite. But it, Michael would, given the age, given the fact that they're trying to make it realistic, given, 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 would have died. Yeah. He, he just straight up would have died. He would have been... He would have starved to death. Yeah. You can't live for four years off of rats. No, you can't. And I'm assuming he's eating rats. Well, okay, so... Or there, possi- possibly, well, can, possibly cannibalism because he well, dragged Corey in. And that, that's kind of the thing, right? Or we assume he did. That's kind of the thing. So what we what we take away from the scenes of Michael Myers and his life as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle is there is another homeless guy living outside of the sewer. So the cha- the choices are I don't think enough people I don't think enough people are falling into that ravine for him to eat and, right. and sustain himself and he's right. not eating the other homeless guy. So he's either eating rats and possums or the homeless guy is bringing him food. Okay, but and if the homeless guy is bringing him food, why isn't he killing the homeless guy? Because he's bringing him food. I don't think Michael would care. No, because he'll eat a dog and he'll eat rats. We've yeah. seen that in the original Halloween. We saw that in Resurrection. Mike, yeah. Michael's a, an opportunistic eater. Yeah. I, I There's a lot of the story that just doesn't gel for me. There's a lot that because... And I guess it's because we've seen all these different aspects of Michael's character throughout the years. We it, we found it hard not to nitpick at certain things like that. But it's that. also the marketing, right? Like somebody did wisely say, I think that if the, the marketing did everybody dirty, and I think that they're, they're right on that because it was marketed as this showdown between Laurie and Michael. You see that on the poster. Nowhere was there mention of Corey. No, I didn't. I didn't remember seeing Corey in any of the advertisements. No, not not a single one. And it it really sort of becomes this laughable thing because like I get the story, I get the narrative, I get I get evil, evil passing on evil. The, sh- the evil takes many shapes. I I get it. I get it. Evil dies tonight. I get it. I get it, but it doesn't work. And Nick, I I I don't know how deep I want to go into it or how deep we can go into it. Because people are just going to argue with us regardless. Well, and honestly, you're working yourself up again. You're getting angry again. So let's... Well, I'm let, not... No, I'm, I'm really keeping a lid on it. I'm trying to keep a lid on it. Well, let me let me put it this way. I'm I, just very disappointed and I think I have a right to be. And I think that's it right there. We were as longtime Halloween fans and that's the thing. I've seen longtime, long-time Halloween fans say they enjoyed it. And again, all power to you. It just did not work for well, us. Well, see, that was one of the criticisms, right? Michael... Okay... Let's go back to 2018. The reporters. He holds out the mask. That reporter. So you're not going to blame Lori. It was that reporter that sparked Michael, that brought Michael out of his trance. That, you know, it's yeah. like, here's the mask. Feel the mask, Michael. Get, get Say your, something. Get your evil on, right? And yeah. Sartain is like, yeah, do it. <laughs> you know, because we, we now know what Sartain was all about. Yeah. You know, so they sort of set that up, obviously, with Sartain putting on the mask and all that kind of stuff. But that wasn't evil transporting. That was that was somebody who had spent a career with Dr. Loomis who you basically could 
almost say lost his mind with the obsession of stopping Michael. Yeah. He wanted to know what that evil felt like. Nothing got transferred to him. Well, he if, was just a crazy bugger. So and if you want to look at it as symbolism and all that, then that's very simply just hero worship and trying to be... Yeah. Yeah. And it was Sartain that took Michael to Laurie. So all this blaming of Laurie is, is horse pucky. Mm-hmm. I get the narrative. I do. But I can fix it. I can fix it for everybody. If somebody in the writing room had been smart enough... Let's go back to Halloween H20. Nurse Marion doesn't ever catch a break except in Halloween 2. <laughs> yeah. Nurse Marion gets popped right from the start. That she does. And it's a great scene between her and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. She does everything smart in age 20 to avoid Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. And she still gets, gets it. Yep. So uh, no complaints there, whatever. But we come now to Halloween Kills, and we've already criticized that. I'm not going to rehash that. They should not have killed Nurse Marion because that one character brought forward into Halloween Ends as a Dr. Loomis substitute, somebody that we could actually gravitate to and say, yes, this person could be the new Dr. Loomis. She could have gone and gotten a, a doctor d- degree. She could have been the new Loomis. If they brought Nurse Marion forward as the new Dr. Loomis, you now have these scenes where she is looking for Michael. And, <clears throat> and that's exactly it. The movie lacks an anchor. Yeah. It's because the anchor is supposed to be Laurie, but it wasn't. Well, and that's the thing. Laurie was the anchor of 2018. Worked out well. Laurie was sidelined for the vast majority of kills, so there was no anchor. And Laurie and Allie were both kind of sidelined for Corey in this film, so there was no anchor. Yeah, and th- but that's the thing. It's like Laurie just gave up her obsession. Like, Michael killed her daughter. Michael just disappeared. Oh, we've had the lockdown. Okay, great. Uh, I guess Michael's not around anymore. I'm going to bake a pie and burn it. Basically. I'm, I, I'm like anybody that has been through that level of trauma, particularly around a holiday. And it was the one thing that wasn't a comedic moment in Gremlins, but they turned it into a comedic moment in Gremlins too. The trauma that is experienced yeah. about her father going down the chimney as, and she hates Christmas. You're going to tell me that Lori's been through all this trauma on Halloween and she suddenly loves Halloween? She's, oh, we've got this tradition of baking a pie. It's like fun you do. When? When did you have that? The year before. When? <laughs> like, no, it just, it, even, even the consistency in, character, in the character doesn't make sense. Because when do we get Lori? We get Lori when, when, like, our full-on Lori Strode that we all love, that, where she's gone from this weak, mousy survivor, this, this, this good girl, the final girl from, from Halloween and Halloween 2, to becoming this badass... Yeah, we get that. We see that. We, you know, she's done the training in in 2018. The only time we finally get Lori is that last 20 minutes when she says, "Did you really think I was going to commit suicide?" Yeah, and, and that then was, it's on. That was the most Lori moment I had ever I had seen in that entire movie. And did you remember my reaction where I went, "Finally, here we go." Yeah, and then it lasted 10 whole minutes. Yeah, if that. Yeah. Now, mind you, 
great fight. Loved it. Jamie Lee Curtis helped choreograph it. Mwah. I love you, Jamie Lee Curtis. I do. <laughs> that was fantastic. But it wasn't enough. No, it wasn't. It was it was an it was a dissatisfying end to a fantastic well a franchise that I love. And even even the way they they made sure Michael wasn't coming back. Fine. Great. No 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 problem with that. But I want to get back to the whole Nurse Marion thing because then as I said, if you have Nurse Marion doing this, now all of a sudden the Corey makes more sense because you bring Michael into it more. Yeah. Michael is there more. He needs to do those killings. And they set this whole thing up where they say that Corey wasn't a bad kid. He was a good kid. I understand that because people do this. Kids are bullied. They turn. But he wasn't a bad kid before. So yep. there's all that confusion. I get the narrative. Do not come for me. But in a story like this, I want to root for Corey. Yep. I don't want to sit there and go... Ooh, ah, uh, so you're going to become the thing that everybody says you are? Now, everybody said, oh, well, we love it because it's a more realistic story. Okay, let's talk about realism. Nick, I used to be a paralegal. I looked up manslaughter laws in Illinois. It's not realistic, folks. Corey obviously did not get charged with manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, pardon me. Yeah, he would have gone to jail. And he'd still be there. So, and that, that's the thing, talking about, you know what, I'm not going to get into the physics of a Halloween movie. But at the end of the day, it's logic or lack of logic that takes you out of the film. And that's what it did to me. Yeah. For me, it's it's like I gave you this comparison when we saw it. Yeah. It's like going for a gourmet dinner. And they give you this fantastic appetizer. Yeah. And then they give you uh, an entree, which is still pretty good, but... You know, you had it, it. The taste was maybe not to your taste. Maybe it was a little bit off, but it was still pretty good. And then, for your gourmet dessert, they give you a donut hole with a knife, so you can split it between the other people in your party. Yeah, yeah. So let me tell you what I did love about Halloween Ends. Okay. First of all, I've already mentioned the acting, directing solid, no problems there. I loved two kills. <laughs> in this. <laughs> I liked that blowtorch on that on that guy. I that is something that I have not seen before. And I really dug that. Not from any sort of psychopathic reason, but just as cinematic horror gold. It was great. And the DJ. Oh, I thought they were great kills. I would have loved them. A heck of a lot more had they come from Michael. And poor Margo. She had, she she had a great head of hair and just gets She didn't just deserve it. it, though. She didn't no, deserve she, it. She tried to be. But in saying that, we've seen that before. When yeah, the yeah. one character tries to be nice and still gets but, killed. But that, that gives us the, the lack of empathy for, yeah. for, for Corey. The other thing I loved about this, just a nice little... I, okay, let me talk about the Easter eggs. I loved all the Easter eggs. I loved the throwbacks. I loved the, the flashbacks to 78. I loved it, loved it. That was all great. And the cameo by Darcy the Male Girl. Yes, Darcy. Yeah, I love that. Oh, and, man. And of course, Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. Yeah. Of course. I liked all of those things. I would have liked them in a better script. I would have liked them in a completely different movie. Again, 
This is why we didn't like it. Barely scratching the surface, to be honest. This yeah, we is don't why, want to be here for five hours. This is why those other people don't like it. Because if you loved this movie, that's fine. I'm glad you enjoyed it because that's what we want out of movies. We want to go and enjoy it. You had a good experience. But the people that love the Halloween story, the thread... Maybe some of the people who have been there from day one, and I've seen people who have been there from day one said, no, I was there from day one and I love this, whatever. My my show, my opinion. This is why we didn't like it, because we didn't get the payoff that was promised to us. We didn't get that experience that you got. We got robbed of it because it's not what they sold us. It's not how they sold the ticket. And you know what it is, John? And we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but it was just another example of missed opportunities. opportunities. And Ugh. like I said, in my opinion, had I been writing it, would have fixed all of it with Nurse Marion surviving. Yeah. With Nurse Marion being the new Dr. Loomis. All right. Missed opportunity. So let's wrap up. Let's wrap up Halloween ends. At the end of the day. Let's end Halloween ends. Oh, I wish. At the end of the day, we didn't like it. Now, here's the thing. I've seen arguments on both sides. And for the most part, I think there's a lot of people on both sides of the argument that could do with a media literacy class. But at the very end of the day, it is personal preference. If you like this movie, again, all the power to there's you. There's a lot to like about it. There, there is. is a lot to like. I, I, I enjoyed a lot. Like, just my positive about it was I love the, 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 the imagery, the cinematography, the lighting in it was great, um, but overall... The story. Not, the Our story problem was, was the story. Yeah. The it story of Corey. <laughs> you know, and this is the thing. I don't know why they chose Corey for the name of this character, because I, I know a lot of millennial people are probably going to think the same thing. The first thing when I hear of a, a, a film or TV ar- actor or character called Corey is Boy Meets World. <laughs> anyway, Boy Meets Michael Myers. Listen to, oh, there we go. To wrap up this section of it, again, my esteemed thank you to John Carpenter. My esteem, love, and thank you to Jamie Lee Curtis. Really, honestly, that fight between her and Michael was great. I did like it. I liked it. But I had to sit through an hour and a half to get to that. And it tells me that maybe they didn't have a great story for this trilogy, but were committed to a trilogy. And that maybe and because it felt like an epilogue at the end of Kills. Well, and that, that's the thing, right? The and you mentioned you've mentioned this to me off off air as well. Is that the the pandemic probably hurt the production of this film a lot? Yeah, and they did some rewrites or whatever. I'd, I'd be interested. Now, mind you, somebody found this, and it's legit. Yeah, the original ending? No, and, and then uh, for, I think it was Halloween 4, where Michael grows like a Power Ranger villain and just starts pounding on... It was... It was I, I, I don't even know where they found it, but it was it was the silliest thing ever, you know, like Michael growing to this enormous size. And oh, if you can if you can find it, uh, the, this, the ending for Halloween four was really bizarre. All all I have is a mental image of Rita Repulsa going magic wand, make my Michael grow. 
Oh, you know, like we, this, you know, you know, we could probably do an entire episode on alternate versions of movies that never got made. Yeah. Yeah, oh, maybe man. we will someday in the future. But right now, aliens, that is all the time we have for this episode of Area 51 and a Half. Nick, remind our listeners how they can get a hold of us. Well, John, our listeners can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the Area 51H, as well as finding us on Facebook by searching for Area 51 and a Half. And before we go, we have an announcement to make, don't we, Nick? Yes, we do. We have added a new member to the crew. Our friend Ren has come onto the team and will be helping us with digital marketing, graphics and whatnot, as well as taking over our Twitch account. And, exciting thing about that, we'll be doing a... Well, Ren will be hosting a Halloween twitch stream where we'll be playing dead by daylight i'll be there as well on mic which will be on october 28th aliens join us in two weeks time when we have our halloween special which will actually broadcast a day early we're actually going to put it out on october 31st so don't forget to tune in two weeks from now for the area 51 and a half halloween special thank you for joining us aliens this is john and nick Signing off from Area 51 and a half. That's a good episode. Yeah, I, I, you know, I really love Jamie Lee Curtis so much, and it kind of hurt me to actually have to criticize this movie because she has done a wonderful job of taking me on.